I'm excited to jump in today's conversation, when. And if you're new with us, um, we are in the series, we're talking about how Christ came so that we could win. And when it comes to pursuing the Christian faith, and maybe you're someone who's just, you know, not of faith, or you are skeptical about who God is, or you're somewhere on that journey, it's easy for us to think that God isn't really about winning. And you'll hear, you'll hear phrases like, um, you'll hear phrases like, uh, you know, submit to one another, and the last shall be first, and all these different things that just kind of are counterintuitive, and we don't think that God wants us to win, but that's the opposite of who He is and why He came. And, and everything that about Christianity start with Christ winning, defeating death in the grave, and it has profound implications for us. And so we've been walking through that this summer. And when it comes to winning, like it's in us to win. Like you and I, we love to compete. And this, this crosses all age groups. I discovered this um, not too long ago, but I, I was just out of college and I was uh, doing like an interim type of role for this church nearby the city where I lived. And this totally random thing came up where I, I love to play cards and I love to just play games and in general. And so. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how to explain this, but I was invited to go play cards with a, with a bunch of senior women. And they apparently had this standing game at the, this is such a funny thing, at a, at a bank every single week, like on the second floor, they had this massive game and they would play partner card games. And it was all women. And so one of the ladies, you know, it was like, I'm like 80 years old and older. And every single one of them, and one of the ladies was in the hospital. And they, they, it's partner games, so they needed a fourth on one of the tables, and they found out that I like playing card games, and so they invited me to play with them. And I, and I, I think it's just out of the goodness of my heart uh, uh, to be not, I was like, sure. And so I, they were playing, it was like partner games, like if you ever played spades, something like that. And so you have to have, you play with the person across from you. And, and so I walk in this room, and it's like the opposite scenario of the movies Rounders. If you, it's an older movie. Have you ever seen the, the poker movie Rounders? And no, you're, you're scoping the room out. And this is such a, it was such a weird place for me to be in. And, and I sit down and they're, and, and they're, like some of them had trouble holding their cards. And, it, and so I sit across from this, this uh, a lady, we introduce ourselves and they talk about the lady whose place I'm taking. And I'm like worried, like, is she, is she about to pass away? And like, this seemed really strange to me. And then the lady across from me was like, I hope you know how to play, because I'm here to win. And I'm like, like, you know, emoji, like, whoa. I like, <laughs> and I'm, I was thinking, I'm just going to go easy. I'm pretty confident in my skills. Um, but it was the, the funniest thing, like, to be with, she really wanted to compete. And so we did. We took it down. Like, we, we <laughs> like, and, and, so, and so we all love to win. And, like, you can do this, like, if you, even with people you don't know, you've never met, like, you can play games online. Like, my kids and I, we have a Nintendo Switch, and you can do online play, and you can do stuff with other people, and, and like, you want to take this random person down that you never meet, and now you can't talk to people, and you can get into the gamer world, and you actually get to know who people are, absolutely, but, you know, you know, you're sitting there playing, and, 
And my wife has joked before, like, yeah, you're playing like my grandmother. Or like, you're playing like some eight-year-old. I'm like, yeah, I took him down. He's like, that was probably some third grader, right? You know, it's like, but like we still want to win. It's in us. And I think God put that there. Like we love, not in a way to take somebody down, but there's a joy in that. And we have a God who has a strong desire, and he wants you to win. And life is absolutely a battle. And there's something in your life that, that, you, that you, maybe you hide or you're not proud of, but you wish you could overcome that. You could see this dark side of you, this, this struggle, this sin, this addiction. You would love to, to see that go away. And this is why... Now, God's not going to promise everything to us, but he wants to step into your life and step into these hard places and engage you there. It's why Christ came. He didn't come to condemn us, but he came. He understands our weakness. He's the only one who, who experienced life like we have experienced and, and withstood it all with no sin. He knows how hard it is to withstand that, and we are not strong enough, and we need him. And this is a journey for us to love well. And so there's something. In this series, I want you to think of something that you know and begin to invite God into this in your life. And we do this with the mindset of victory. And if you read through the scriptures with this in mind, you'll see it everywhere. So Ephesians 6, listen to this. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Because the final word, he's been, Paul is writing this letter to this early church. This is only, you know, 10 or 20 years after Jesus' resurrection. And at the end of his letter, he says, he says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We are not each other's enemies. Because we are fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And Paul has this very strong words that he's saying. He says, be strong. Stand firm. Hold the hill. Week one, I talked about the, the kids game, the child's game of, of king of the hill. And God has won the hill for us. And so when he says stand firm, it's not like, you know, withstand the blows, hope you make it. No, it's like you have, God has put you in a position to win. And so we stand firm. We hold the hill. And so God has called us first to stand firm. He calls us to stand firm. And then how does he do this? This is two overarching things that we've talked about in recapping. One is stand firm. He calls us to stand firm. And then he equips us. The second thing is he equips us. Well, how does he do this? Well, then Paul walks us through the, what we call the armor of God, things that he's given us. And, and fascinatingly enough, in the, in the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures leading up to Christ, we see these things as well. And so he says this, he says, he says, therefore, since we're standing firm and we're in a winning position, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing Firm. There it is again. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. We talked about truth last week. We walked through that. 
truth is incredibly important for us. Putting on the belts of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. We call this the breastplate of righteousness. You'd have been looking, Paul was writing this, uh, where he would have been seeing Roman soldiers all around him, and he would, they would have this breastplate that protected their heart, the breastplate of righteousness. He says, for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on a salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Last week, he put on the belt of truth. And unless you put God in the position of bringing truth into your life, you will never be able to fully win. You will never to allow him to speak into your life. If you missed that message, it's incredibly important. It's on our website. It's on our podcast. I encourage you to listen to that. And this week, we continue with the body armor of God's righteousness. Well, how in the world does God's righteousness protect our hearts or protect us? Well, that's the whole thing. It is about your heart. And it's His righteousness, not ours, that does this. And if we learn to allow His truth to speak into our lives, at some point when we become Christ followers, we understand that I am broken, I am limited, I need forgiveness, and I need Christ. We need His truth to speak to us, but He gives us His righteousness. And he protects our heart. One of the first things he wants, this is going to be letter A. We're going to have two major headings today and then points underneath that. Uh, for those of you who love to take notes, you'll love me today, okay? So uh, A, <laughs> one of the first things the enemy wants to do, to do is, is take out your heart. And so you need to understand the fight. Understand the fight. That he wants to take out your, our hearts, our hearts. He knows that you've won. And so we talk about the devil. The devil is real. In the beginning, we have what we call the fall. And he turned his back on God. And, be, and, and he has been fighting against him ever since. But, but Christ has claimed victory over him. And he is knowingly in the losing position. And one day God will end all of this and fully put him down. But he's allowed the devil to be there and he's fighting against us. And we don't fully understand that. But he's coming after your heart. And your own sinful condition also is pulling away from God. And we need to understand that we have been put in the position of winning and he wants to pull you down to take you off the hill. So we need to understand the fight. Well, hey, what does he do? The first thing is this, that he tempts our heart away from God. He's really good about this. He says, he says listen, God is holding out on you. And we have all these things that God has made and God has given us. And he says, this isn't really how it's supposed to be. He's holding out on you. This is what he's been doing from the beginning to say, there's a better way to do this. And we begin to trust that and we don't trust God's 
goodness. And so we take the beauty of sex that he's created for us and we say, you know what, we're going to do it our own way. You know, you we'll take that, thank you, and we think we've got a better way of pursuing this. And we do this with, with money, with greed, with our appetites in a million ways, with food, with power. And we say, well, this isn't really how you love. Last week we talked about God's truth and how he loves us. And, and real love says the hard things. And we put God in a position to be God, but we want to put ourselves in place of that. And we say things like, follow how you feel. Just do what you feel is right. You become your own truth. The truth is your heart betrays you. We, our emotions betray us, and we put, we put our emotions ahead of God. And this is not easy. This is not what we hear around us. And so the, our enemy comes to us and says, hey, come off the hill. Look what you have, what you can have down here. And we, we make the things that God has given us our God. See, you have to have an identity. To walk away from God, there's something that has to be your God. He can't take it from you. So he wants to deceive you into giving, giving it up. To give it up. And so he just starts with this one thing and says, hey, come down here. And his number one tool for you and I is to focus on yourself. So we hear things like God's idea of loving is boring, right? That's like this old. This is old school. Like these principles that we read in Scripture, this doesn't work. And so we say, you know, look what you can have, what life can look like, and just begin to compromise. Or with greed, like God calls us to, to give financially out of the first of what we make, and that doesn't make sense. Like we're like, I'm trying to get out of debt. And so logically, someone would say to get out of debt, you need to do that after you're out of debt. But what's funny is our hearts follow our money. And, and when we begin to give as God has called us to do, it actually frees up our hearts. And it's statistically proven, religious or not, when you do that first in your life, it frees up your heart and you get out of debt faster. But we're called to like, hey, you can have all these different things. Look at the vacation you could have if you just didn't do these things. And we think these steps will fulfill us. And it becomes the ultimate. We take the good things that God has given us and we make it be the ultimate. We have an inordinate desire for it to be the ultimate thing in our life. And it might work for a while, but eventually it doesn't fulfill. So he has to distract us from what's real, what doesn't actually fill us. So we say your pride. He goes after your pride. You deserve this. We say that a lot, right? It's been hard. Like, it's been a tough, I don't know, life. So you deserve this, right? He pulls us off the hill. He goes after lust. He goes after our appetites. We desire many things. Someone else. The idea of someone else or food, consumption, entertainment, a comfortable life. He goes after your heart. I've talked about this in principle, how 
we're tempted to the edge of everything. We did a series a, a while ago called Guardrails. And if you look at guardrails on the road, they're usually in places well away from the actual danger zone. But everything around us tempts you and I to the lines. We want painted lines because you can just drift over. Most of the time, you accidentally drift over a painted line. You know, you can correct. You know, somebody, a car's nearby, you can get over. But you look down at your phone and not paying attention, you can go off a cliff. Hit the car head on. We like to we like blurred lines, and we we go to the edge. We say it's no big deal. We're just flirting. Or I'll just get back at this person, and I'll anonymously go after them online. There's no harm done. Well, can't you just have fun for once? Because we live in this culture. We never put the two and two together, but we're constantly pushed to the edge of everything. But as soon as you fall, as soon as you go over the edge, you're mocked. We, you are attacked and we go after, how could you do that? You guys ever you know, see this happen in our culture today? Our headlines are filled with both. Do whatever you want to, do whatever you feels right. But then the next headline is, how could this person, the celebrity, do this? Can you believe this? And like we've been pushing in the movies that they act in to like go all and do all this insanity. And then when they actually do it, we're like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. How could you? But you'd be, it's amazing. If you just start looking at headlines this way, it's, it's interesting. We shame one another. We accuse. How could you do this? Well, all at the same time, we're pulling ourselves to live at the edge. And, and so this is a tactic. Just come down off the hill. And then we get to the edge, and then we blow it. And we don't even realize it. And that leads you to the places in your life where you say, how could I have done this? Or the regret that you feel from your past, the things that you think about, or you're like, I said I would never do that again, and I can't believe I didn't see it coming. You never say that. I'm a pastor. I never do that. I never say that phrase. That's a total joke if you're new with us. I am as messed up and broken as all of us here. This is why we need Christ, right? We're deceived. So when we fall, our enemy's strategy moves forward and he flips the script and becomes the accuser. And we live in a world that loves both of those roles. We don't want there to be any truth, but what's funny is somebody has to have a truth. You, you have to have it. We, we love justice. And so who gets to be the one that is truly moral, that's truly right? And we, we struggle with God in that place, but only God can be that way. Like we said last week, it's why Jesus came and said, I, it's important, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to God, can, no one can come to the Father except through me. Someone has to really be full of truth, and that's who God is. And so... We want to be that truth, and we want to be the person that stands in the place to accuse. And here's what the what accusation looks like. Religious people, 
are known for accusing. And, and if you read through Romans, Romans 1 is about those who are really far from God, who have really blown it. But then Romans 2 is about all these religious people who are so full of pride and begin to condemn those. And Paul confronts this, and he says, You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad, as you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself. Which is an oh-snap moment if you're reading through that. (laughs) He says, For you who judge others, do these very same things. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? And so it's interesting that Paul begins to talk about what accusation does. What accusation does is it points away from yourself. When you accuse others, you're excusing yourself. It's a great tactic to say, oh, I I don't need accountability, but you do. And usually your harshest judgments often reveal your deepest weaknesses. And this is what an accuser is. And so our enemy is known. He's, he's known. He, he has names, and the one is we have the devil, Satan. But how about the father of lies? That's what Jesus called him. How do we know he's real? Jesus affirmed that. He's known as the accuser. And he's been perfecting this craft for thousands of years. Knowing what the accuser is and how that works helps us understand who God is. And he is not the accuser, but we put him in that role. And so... The first thing that the accuser does is he, he, he tempts our heart away from God, and then he mocks us. He mocks us. He brings guilt and shame. He says, we, we mess up. He's like, hey, just do this, do this. And then we blow it, and we're like, how could I ever do this? And if you're a Christ follower and you did that, he says, look at what you've done. And we don't even see the flip. You know, it's like bait and switch, right? We're like, oh, my gosh. He's like, let me. And then it's like, this is just all who you are. He says, let me just show you. I've got a whole movie reel. Here we go. Look at what you've done. This is just your pattern. This is who you are. How could you have done this? And he just goes after you. What's wrong with you? You really think God loves you and you keep doing this? God doesn't want anything to do with that. You don't deserve that hill anymore. (laughs) And we believe it. We believe it. He comes to you with half-truths. He's like, look at what God did for you. God did a lot of things with you. He's like, how will you ever repay him? And And you just feel condemned. And that's the beauty of what Christ has done is that he paid it all 
We never could. That was the whole point all along is we can never do that. Only he could. And that's what's so beautiful. But that we believe these half-truth lies. Now, there's nothing more than what our enemy wants is to have you have, you have a mindset of defeat. And I just want to be honest with you. I personally struggle with this. This is what I feel because of my own past, my upbringing, and things that I've had experience in my own life. It's easy for me to, to walk into a mindset of being defeated. And so what our enemy wants to do is come after your heart. He tempts you away from God. He mocks you, and he comes after your heart because he knows that's where this battle is, is fought. He pulls you down. And this is what the beauty of Christ is all about. He came to defeat that once and for all so we could always get up. And some of you have, have, have walked away from God, and you are far from God, and you might be here today because you just, you're curious still. But you've, maybe you got a card from us or a friend invited you, but I, you've honestly have stayed more away from his church because of all the things that you've experienced. And I just want to pull and introduce you to Christ and say, start with him, not his people, because we are broken. But some of you are here and you struggle with God because you don't want anything to do with him because of what you've done. You are convinced that God is done with you. That you blew your chances. And you hear these voices like, how many chances do you need? Because I think you're, at, you're, you're, you're up. And you maybe never thought this, this explicitly, but we accept defeat and we, we hear things like, you're never going to matter in God's story. And you're never going to have a good marriage or be a good dad, or have a significant relationship, or be loved. And he comes after your heart. This happens to me in many different ways. Uh, it was several years ago where, I, as a pastor, I, I want to take everything on, and there's mentality you have in starting new churches, it's and it's in the city, it's not super easy always, and there's a, there's a grit needed. And so I have this grittiness about me where I can, I can do it all. And that's kind of like a lot of us here are like that in the city where I, 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 can, I can get a lot done. I mean, the problem with that is I have that mentality and how this is how our church succeeds. And, and if, if things are struggling, then I think, well, I just need to improve. And I, and I look at everything that I can't do, and I'm confronted with the mountain that I need to, to cross to get better. The interesting thing with that is that's the opposite of how God, how God works. And, and so, you know, but I'm in this like cycle and I begin to say phrases to others. And I have, I have elders in my life. I have coaches in my life that have been doing this for a long time. And I'll say them, and I remember this happening several years ago, saying to one of, one of these people, saying, I just, I, I, here's this weakness and here's this and I just need to improve and here's what I can do. And as he's listening to me, he finally stops me and he says, he goes, do you hear yourself? He goes, do you hear yourself? He says, you are consumed with you. Everything that you're saying is, I need to do this. And I fill in the blank. He says, you are consumed with how you do this. And this is not who God made you to be or how he designed it at all. You can't accomplish it. 
And I've, I'm learning and I'm still learning. I can't accomplish it. I, I'm just always improving. This is about Christ. And I'm being brought off the hill and I'm focusing on me. Not him. And it's devastating. It's devastating because I can't do it. But everything around you and I says, that's only how you win. But it leads us to anxiety. It leads us to hiding. We have, we have to find something to soothe us, to comfort us, to help us, because we ultimately know we can't do it. And so we pursue the created things rather than the creator, the one who made all these for us, these things for us. And we begin to lose. The Christ is his, that's why Christ came so that we could win. And our enemy wants us to be obsessed with each other, obsessed with ourselves and selfishness. And that's why we have the body armor of God's righteousness, this breastplate for his righteousness is what protects our heart. And so we need to turn this conversation right now. And then God's righteousness, and this is the key thing, is something that you don't earn, you cannot earn. It's given to those who place their faith in Christ. I don't deserve it. He gave it as a gift to us. And Christ came not to condemn us, but to take the condemnation upon himself. And that's the beauty of the cross where, where he was crucified. He took what we deserved and gave us instead what he deserved. We deserve death and shame and all these things, but he came to take that from us. So he takes your shame and he gives you his righteousness. And that's the beauty. For all the lawyers in here, we talk about this, that court is adjourned. He came and took that punishment and it was bestowed upon him and you've been set free. There's no more keeping score. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Why? So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's, that's it. That's everything. So when God looks at you, he sees Christ. That is our starting point with God. You can never, and we never will, get it all right to come to him. We love to give the book away to first-time guests on Sundays. How good is good enough? It talks about that. You can never make up for the good you've, the wrong you've done. How good is good enough? Only Christ was the one who lived that perfect life. And so we get his righteousness. And so God is wanting to teach you and I and lead us to stop thinking about you. And we step into his righteousness. God is trying to keep you. So we put on the righteousness of God. We put off who we are, and put his righteousness on us. So real quickly, let me talk to you about a couple important things. He's trying to teach you to stop thinking about you. You have a mission to engage. You can stand up forgiven. We can always come back to him. That's why we say, that's why our mission here is to help people find their way back to God. We need to learn this discipline. 
And the first thing is, is to focus on him and what he's given us to do. I invite you to serve with us, to join our teams. We, we can engage in loving this city together. Today we've had several people who have served you and me and God together. And it helps us engage this mission in loving one another, to care about other people. God begins to focus us on what brings real meaning and purpose in our lives. God has made you to serve and to love. That's what it means to love well, is to sacrifice ourselves. And so there's many ways you can serve. If you're not available on Sundays, we have simple service during the week. This summer, we want to begin to touch 500 people at the pass stations every week. You can sign up for a team to shadow on a Sunday or for simple service on our website. If you're with us in week two of this series, we'll talk about being the loner. You cannot win alone. God's design is that we are a family. This is not about what you do. To win, it's about what Christ has called us to, to be part of his family. That's what our Belong class today is about, about being family together. You can't win alone. That's not God's plan. And the second thing and final thing for us today is his righteousness Gives me the authority to get up every time. And this is one of the key components that is the opposite of how we think. But what do you do when you blow it? Because you still have your sinful nature in your heart. And God will one day fully take that away. He's promised that when he comes back for us. But he has a reason to, for us to be here. is to love one another. And he cares about who you are becoming and so our starting point is we have been forgiven, court is adjourned, and real heart change comes from knowing that. You're not, you don't have to worry about, am I okay with God? That's our starting point, that you are the righteousness of God. And so when we blow it, we want to pull away, but it's that very moment that we want to invite Jesus in and say, okay, we're okay, <laughs> but, but Jesus, I have this, and this, this condemns me, but you came to take that away. And we want to invite him to say, lead my heart away from this. And we stand on his righteousness. Your righteousness, the scriptures say, is of filthy rags. But the good news is, is that his is perfect. And the moment when you blow it and you fall, God has given you the authority to get up every time. Why? I don't stand on my goodness. I stand on his. We think that God is standing behind us as the accuser. Why could you do that? I did all these things. I died for you. No, he's standing behind you. Like sword up, flame of Christ saying, get up. I died so that you can get up. I took that from you. You are free. Get up because of who I am. There is a battle to fight, and I am with you. I am fighting for you. The passion that led me to die for you, I still have that in full. And I'm at the right hand of God praying for you. 
I want to lean into the darkest spot of your life. I'm not afraid of that. I know you are, and I know that others will be, but I am not. I want to lean in, and I want to do this with you. He's behind us, cheering for you every time. Get up. I stand on his goodness and his righteousness, and I begin to fight for others. The only reason that I can be here with you today is because of his righteousness, not my own. And that's the beauty of Christ and why you should consider following him. Only he can truly defeat the darkness in our lives. I'm going to point you to Christ. When I focus on myself, I just stay in the mud. You know, the woe is me. We pile on the mud, right? We're like, oh, it's so bad. But God has called you to win because he has already won for us. Our city is longing for a church, for a people of God that understands this. We, we fight for this city. We don't know how to be in disagreement. It's not easy to do. But we want to love as he has loved us. And not only that, God cares about what's happening in your heart. and He wants to engage that with you if you'll allow him to bring that truth. But that truth that we talked about last week will be condemning unless we understand his grace. That he's not the accuser. He's the one fighting for you that you can stand firm. He would always love to do this. You are not alone. That's why we're here for you. Always reach out to us. We learn to do this together. It's why you're invited into community. It's why we're doing Summer Thursdays. We want you to invite you to get to know one another, to be part of this family so that we can win together. Let's win and stand on his righteousness. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. We thank you for your incredible words to us, your words of life. I pray that, that as much information as is today, that we would begin to take the steps of faith to believe that you were here for us to win, especially in the dark moments of our lives. May we experience the beauty of your grace and the true heart change that comes from that. We thank you and ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.